back to the Ticket Water Cooler. Brought to you by Wingstop on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Well, the bye week was uh, just this past weekend, and I decided to put my scouting hat on, go right down to Lawrence, Kansas, and watch Kansas ultimately beat Duke, even though I was in a Duke uh, jersey. Yeah, I saw that. Why? Well, my friend's a Duke basketball fan. He, he, he thinks that he can be. A, first, I want to know this from the text line. You guys let me know. Obviously, I'm, I'm a huge Husker basketball fan. I'm just Husker sports altogether. Mm-hmm. He he thinks that it's okay since Husker basketball has been so bad and, and never you know there's nobody like cheering can't really cheer for Husker basketball in the postseason they're not in the postseason that is true so he picked Duke Duke's his team and that and he's, he's stuck along with him so instead of a Jasker he's a Husker Devil or whatever you want to call it Husker Devil <laughs> a Blue Sker Blue Sker Devil hmm. a Blue Husker yeah that could still be considered a Jasker yeah it's still yeah. Blue. I think he's got to be a Husker Devil yeah probably <laughs> but in any case I've, you know weird. you've seen it over especially. If even if you grew up here, there's all. If college basketball fans around here aren't necessarily, they're Kansas fans. They're Kansas fans more than anything. Oh yeah, there's a lot of Kansas basketball, Nebraska football fans. Yeah, which again could also be a Jasker. Just, just <laughs> so he thinks that's okay. I, you know, that's a different, that's a different argument. But um, I didn't have like a Kansas shirt to bring. And I wasn't like it wasn't gonna like destroy me if Kansas lost, you know. I just you were going to be broken. I, I just like college football. I wanted to go watch some college football, and that mm-hmm. was a close uh, place that I could go. And so he uh, he had uh, some Duke jerseys. So I thought, okay, we can either wear just like neutral colors and yeah. just kind of. Were be you there. wearing a Duke jersey and cheering for Kansas, or were you cheering for Duke? I was cheering for Kansas. That's weird. <laughs> People must have been looking at you so weird. It it was kind of odd, but he had uh, so he had the uh, Shane Battier jersey, and he gave me oh. the JJ Reddick jersey. So. Oh. I Oh. Uh, you know what? We look kind of cool like that, so we'll do that. We had some trash talk. Talk to us. My review of Memorial Stadium, uh, David Booth Memorial Stadium in, in Lawrence, by the way, it's it's really weird because if you you can only go vertical once you get through, like um, you can only go up and down the stairs. There's no like walkway around the stadium. So if you're in one section, you got to like go back under the stadium and find walk the under, section. Go find the section. I hated that. That's weird. The other thing is they sold beer. And the beer lines, so this is the the future of Nebraska football. If you allow beer here, please make the beer lines a separate line from the rest of concessions. Because were they the same line? They were the same line, and there was thousands of lines almost, it seemed like. But there were so many lines, they were forever. You would miss a quarter if you went and stood in line to get a hot dog, a beer, whatever you wanted. And we wow. did. It was it was awful. So, altogether, not very well. Like I don't think they ever expected that that many people. They don't have sellouts. It was a sellout. There's 50,000, 47,000 people there. So part of it is, yes, the building doesn't usually get yeah, that crowded. They were expecting that. Most Kansas games, you just walk, sit wherever you want to and go mm-hmm. grab, you know, grab, grab a beer if you want to. Go walk down, grab a beer, come back, yeah. and miss a play. But when that place is packed, that is very not a very functional place. Yeah, that makes sense. The other thing that I came out of, of that game, and I know Lance Leipold's got like plenty of success outside of just Kansas, but if we're, we're honest, the Nebraska consideration is because of what he's doing at Kansas right now. And it was, it was a spectacular game, a lot of fun, but I don't know if I believe where Kansas would be without Jalen Daniels. I mean, that guy's incredible. If you have not watched him or watched the highlights of him, uh, he is really good. He leads the team in rushing and passing. Dude, he is good. So you might be back to that sort I've of I've never thing. heard of Jalen Daniels until I watched that game, and I was like, who is this guy? Why oh, yeah. Is he? he needs to be on some Heisman talks. What's going on? 
Yeah, he's a little bit shorter. They don't usually have him fling the ball around. He's, you know, he kind of, he, he, like I said, he's he's a run threat, so they kind of have him in Six there too. Six foot two fifteen. Yeah, from Lawndale, California. But he had a few throws where he's scrambling like back foot on the dime touchdown, dropped like, it, just dropped perfect it in a bucket. Throws. And that's what I'm a little bit hesitant with him is that you know I don't know. I just don't get caught up in quarterback gurus anymore. I, I want I almost want a head coach that I can see, like I was saying with P.J. Fleck, show me that you can win with Tanner Morgan before I believe it. Because <laughs> if, if you're just winning with Jalen Daniels, is that more Jalen Daniels or is that more Lance Leipold? And I think we got the answer for that on the Scott Frost, McKenzie Milton part, didn't we? Yeah, probably. So when we're talking about compounding mistakes, that is one that I'm a little bit weary of nowadays. I used to be thinking – I used to like really buy into the quarterback guru thing. Well, you know, this guy can can coach this guy. I I think it's it's more quarterback than it is coaching. And obviously, everybody develops at that age mm-hmm. and you know gets stronger and, and you need guys there and the coaching is is a huge part of it. But a lot of times, I just think it's it's I don't know how much you know. There, and there's certain guys that can do it. Like uh, I hate to keep bringing up the Minnesota example, but they just got their their offensive coordinator back with Tanner Morgan. He was spectacular that year. They won 11 games. Mm-hmm. Hasn't been very good since. They bring him back, the offensive coordinator, and he's right back on track. He's doing well again. Some people just work well with other. I mean, yeah. I mean, you could kind of bring this into if we want to go to a professional route. Uh, Josh McDaniels, you know, with with Tom Brady in New England, he seems to have like the perfect offense picked out to, to win games. And the last two times, current, and I guess currently, uh, so the last time and currently he's been a head coach somewhere else with a different quarterback, things have not worked out so well. When he was in Denver with Tim Tebow, it wasn't great. And right now in, in Las Vegas with Derek Carr, things are not looking great. They're off to an 0-3 start despite all of the talent that they recruit. So sometimes it's it's the coaching style and the players just don't match up. And and if you have a player that matches your coaching style very well, or if you're a player that, that matches, or if you're a, yeah, a player who's who has a coach that your style matches well with it. It just kind of the, the synergy is there and it all works out really well. I mean, like you just said with the Minnesota example. So I don't, I'm not out on quarterback gurus. It's just, you got to find the right one and then, surround them with people that also fit your coaching style and, and that person's play style because if you have if you have a pocket passer and you have a bunch of uh, a bunch of receivers who are mostly blockers I guess we could go with that who who don't really you know catch the ball very well but they're really good like run blocking mm-hmm. and you're asking him to sit back there and sling the ball around and those guys can't catch it's not great if you have an offensive line that's more built for blocking for the run and not really meant to you know sit back and try to protect the quarterback and you've got a pocket passer it's not going to work out very well so you've got to match your style with your players or or try to change your style to match with your players or just recruit to your style better I mean that's just kind of that's I mean that's, it seems simple right yeah it does but it, you you have to remember and I think we forget this sometimes in sports the the other team is trying to do the same thing <laughs> I know <laughs> that the, yeah. the simplicity of it is you know goes across the, the I mean everybody's also, trying to know. get better everybody's trying to to, to you know fit Have their match their belief. styles yeah. and all that stuff but look you know that they're trying to do that and if you're not doing that or for some reason you're just 
failing at doing that, you're going to see the results. Yeah, and we certainly have with Nebraska. Uh, I got a, a few stats here. We're go- we'll give out our game balls. Uh, I got like 10 game balls to give out from the weekend <laughs> of, of college football, and Adrian is going to get one. So yeah, he everybody is. Out there. Uh, but first, let's go through some stats that I think are kind of interesting. Anthony Grant, uh, of course, came into this weekend, I think, third in the nation in rushing. Um, obviously, didn't play, so everybody's caught up with the, the four games. Now 10th in the nation. Uh, fifth in the Big Ten. There are five of the top ten leading rushers are in the Big Ten. Anthony Grant now number ten. Um, and obviously doing so without the best of offensive lines mm-hmm. or the most stable of offensive lines. Doing a lot on his own. Yeah. Doing a lot of uh, dancing in the backfield before falling forward and gaining some yardage. So he's definitely you know one bright spot from this one one and three start for Nebraska. Uh, how about this? Luke McCaffrey has as many receiving yards as Trey Palmer, who's leading Nebraska. Like three fifty three or That's something like interesting. that. That's interesting. It is kind of surprising. I, he's a great athlete. Yeah. I'm just gonna leave it. I'm just. I don't. You keep talking. Not that's all. That's all I'm gonna go with. That he's a great athlete. How about this? Michael Penix Jr. leads the nation in passing yards. Yeah, he does. Your preseason 2021 Big Ten Player of the Year <laughs> is now actually doing well with Washington. Shout Might have a little 12. bit more to do with Kalen DeBoer, who got hired out there, the former Fresno State coach. Washington's undefeated. Mm-hmm. Um, but Michael Penix Jr. is lighting it up. Uh, how about this for another Nebraska stat? Luke Reimer, second in the Big Ten now with 39 tackles. That ranks top 20 nationally. Wow. Which is kind of surprising. On a bye week. Yeah. <laughs> well, but it's just – it's like – I. I you know, we did this the other day. It's like, who's the best defensive player so far? And, you know, neither of us mentioned Reimer. Because no. he just doesn't seem to be at that level that he was early last season. Um, I think he's just he's still a, racking up tackles. I believe, or at least this is kind of my belief, is that he last season was making one-score games and he was making clutch tackles in, in, in clutch situations. Yeah. I mean, they end up losing the game anyways. But he's he's making tackles. Like against Oklahoma, he stopped. Uh, he did have a sack. He, yeah, he had a sack and he stopped. I I don't remember the play exactly. I think it was uh, running back out of the backfield, um, and he stopped him just short of short of the first down and forced him into a field goal or a punt or whatever. Um, like he had these those clutch tackles. Whereas this year, not much to be celebrated on the field. So and and really everybody's focusing on the missed tackles. So despite any all of the tackles that he is getting, nobody's focusing on that. They're just focusing on the ones that he misses and that everybody else on the defense misses. So it's it's. The focus has shifted, so it's not really being celebrated how many tackles he's getting. Yeah, and, and and I continue to say this, and I think he's a good example of that. Is is defense? It's a lot about you know who's around you. When they had a really good defense, and you could trust everybody, and you know you got playmakers here and there. You know you give a, you get a little bit more of a chance to t- to take different gambles, or you know like you said, it's just the game feels bigger when you're making big plays. Mm-hmm. Um, when you when you got a defense that's giving up 500 yards a game. You know, you make a good tackle here and there, but no, you know, the the ultimate storyline isn't you made a good tackle. It's yeah. like your defense gave up forty yeah. points a game. You're you're tackling, are, are, and then it could be a thing where you're getting so many tackles because the other team just keeps getting the ball and is an off yeah. is on offense so much, or they're having sustained drives of of ten plus plays, so you have multiple opportunities to get a tackle, or you're you're tackling somebody running across your face who's already gained a first down. Like it's it, it there's a lot of different things going into it, but it is look look he still has a lot of tackles. It's it's impressive. It's just wishing that those were coming in situations where Nebraska is winning the game or or he's stopping somebody from doing something that will eventually lead to Nebraska winning the game. A few more stats for you. These are all kind of Big Ten West uh, related. Of course, Indiana did lose this weekend, so at least Nebraska is not going to play an undefeated Indiana. It'll be coming off a loss against Cincinnati. Would that have been better? I don't know. 
Maybe. Do you want them off of off of a loss and angry that they lost and ruined their undefeated season, or undefeated and riding high that they're undefeated? <laughs> I don't know. Eh, I'd like them to have less. So, momentum, it was kind of like the, it's kind of like the Oklahoma thing. Do you want? Did you want them to lose and come in like angry, or did you want them to come in with a high? I mean, it didn't really matter, obviously. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I think that start maybe that matters for like the first few minutes of the game and then, probably then you're playing football yeah uh northwestern now one and three after losing to miami of ohio their other losses are duke in southern illinois and their only win is of course nebraska they're still one and zero in the conference <laughs> could be it could be a situation like they had a couple years ago where they lose yeah. every non-conference game but they go undefeated in the conference and play for the title it could be i, I doubt just, it i don't know if i see that that's just it's not a good sign i think that year they lost to duke also yeah, I think so. Yeah. Similarities. How about this? Minnesota, after beating down uh, Michigan State, and if you were following that game along, the total yardage in that, t- you know, it was like 257 to 1 at one point, like the second quarter. It was like, yeah, it was I like, mean, they were beating them. It was up. like 310 to like 45 at halftime. Yeah. Like, it was not good. Absolutely beating up. So now, Minnesota, who we'd been saying, well, they just haven't played anybody. Now they've played somebody. They're averaging their average score so far. Their offense averages 45.6 points per game. Their defense gives up six points per game. So they're beating people 45 to 6 on average. Yeah, um, don't like that. <laughs> don't like that at all. Strong and well there in Minnesota. Mohamed Ibrahim. Now. Great. Oh, yeah. Again. Great player. Uh, and so the question has to be asked. Now you've got Ohio State, Michigan uh, in the top five. You've got Penn State uh, banging on the door to get in the top 10. They're in at number 11. Minnesota is now in the top 25. I think they're at 21. Who is the best of the unranked teams in the Big Ten? And it's a difficult question to answer because Ooh. you got Michigan State, Purdue, and Wisconsin, teams that we thought were good coming in the year, all at 2-2. Two and two. You've got 3-1, and one, Rutgers, Illinois, Indiana, Maryland, and Iowa. And maybe Iowa's the answer, but they certainly aren't too great on offense. No. And then you have Northwestern, Nebraska at 1-3 and three, who are not the answer. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so who is your best Big Ten team outside of the top 25? My best Big Ten team out of the top 25? I mean... I want to say Wisconsin, but they just got boat raced by Ohio State. Yeah, I hate Iowa's offense, and I don't think it's going to win them many games. Um, Rutgers just lost to Iowa, so that's definitely not the answer. Yeah, <laughs> Maryland put up a fight against Michigan. That I'm gonna could, go with Maryland. That could be your I'm gonna go with Maryland. There you go. Good yeah, answer. I'm gonna go with Maryland. Yeah. Talia Tungavailoa. <laughs> uh, if they don't fumble the opening kickoff and allow the the uh, fastest touchdown in in or in NCAA history. Then uh, maybe they maybe they uh, go to overtime with Michigan. Maybe they win the game. Who knows? Yeah, that was that's definitely an interesting outcome from the weekend. And uh, I like how you broke that down. You found a spot. You felt. I had like to figure could, it out. You get comfortable slowly but surely. All right, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, I'll give out some game balls for the weekend. Who were the best players across college football this past weekend? One of them's Adrian. We'll do that next on the Ticket Water Cooler. 